Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. So the, um, basically it's Deuteronomy 28 that we're, the scripture we're studying for this and uh, we've had different people coming up here and uh, just going into some of the scriptures um, all the way down. We're going to do 1 to 14. Um, it's come to the last one which is 13 and 14 I'm going to go over so I'm excited about that. So we're going to read it now. If you have a Bible you can turn there. If you don't have a Bible it's hopefully going to go on the screen and or you can just listen to me. That's probably the easiest way. So there we go. So. Deuteronomy 28, um, verses 13 to 14. It says, If you listen to these commands of the Lord your God that I am giving you today, and if you carefully obey them, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. And you will always be on top and never at the bottom. You must not turn away from any of the commands I am giving you today, nor follow after other gods and worship them. So this is awesome. Um, There's a lot of big words in there I think like for such a small word like verse there's a lot of words that sort of jump out there a few of them blessings obviously one we're like ooh blessing but uh, there's commands and obedience they're actually really strong words in there and I think they um, sort of uh, frame a lot of the context of this verse but the first bit I'm going to quickly go over um, just because it was something that spoken to me is actually the latter half when it says about you know being the head and not the tail and uh, I think a lot of that is to do with walking in the authority God's given you um, and how does God make us the head and not the tail um, he, he does do that he makes opportunity for us to do that but we have to step into it and a lot of it is to do with God's given us authority so he called us into high places but we need to actually you know, step into position of the head away because we can put ourselves in the position of the tail but God's given us the grace to go up and be the head in situations uh, it's about how you walk in it um, I remember at, at school um, I like I'm someone who quite likes playing football, but uh, I like following it. But if I can't bother, I won't follow it. And uh, I kind of what I this is how I follow football. Someone will come up to me and be like, "Ah, oh, did you hear the score? Oh, blah blah blah. Someone scored an amazing goal. It's so awesome." And I'm like, "Oh, cool." And then someone else is like, "Oh, did you see the football?" And I was like, "No, but I heard someone did this amazing goal, and this happened at this minute." And then he's like, "Oh man, you know everything." <laughs> it's just mooching off other people's information. So yeah. But I really like playing it, and I'm not trying to blow my own trumpet here, but I was, like, okay at football. I was quite good. <laughs> I, I'm just going to say that. It needs to, it's part of the story. Uh, I was okay at football. So, but um, I had the skills and the ability to, you know, at least pass the ball straight, and, you know, I was quite accurate and things like that. But, like, I'm not a very big guy, uh, but imagine half the size of me. That's what I was at school. <laughs> so I was just so small, and everyone was really tall. Actually, I'd like to say that when I was growing up, I was taller than Joe, right? for most of my childhood it was and then like it was, it was a guy that was slightly taller than me Phil and we all kind of three of us kind of walked around and it was kind of like oh, at least I'm taller than Joe and then uh, it's just like you know kind of got to I don't know what age like 16 and I was still taller than Joe and, and then all of a sudden Joe just <laughs> and I was just like walking in the land of giants now and I'm just going to start hanging out with OJ to be honest uh, I think that's the only way I'm going to feel comfortable but so I would be playing football and everyone was just massive. They had so much, like, not only were they big guys, you know, you get those big guys that are gentle and really kind and caring, none of them were them. <laughs> These were all horribly, like, ugly guys that when they played football, they were really good, but they just ran into you and just, I would just be, like, broken every game. But, uh, 
basically, I remember just thinking, I don't understand. Like, I've got this skill to pass this ball, to get it in the goal, to, to do it. When I'm playing with guys who are like more my sort of height and sort of build, I, I can cope with it. But it's one of these bigger guys. You know, I just can't, I don't have the power to over, you know, overpower them. So, but I remember one of these guys came up to me. He was the same size as me, and he was really good at football. And uh, I think he went over, went on to play for one of the, like, one of the Scottish. Te- I said good teams. I meant to say Scottish teams. And uh, basically, uh, he said to me, he said to me, look, I'm not that big. He says, but when I play football, I play big on the pitch. And he says, basically, I act as if I'm way bigger than I am, and I run at people as if I'm way bigger than I am. And that actually gives me the authority to command in that sort of way in the pitch. Even though I don't have that size, when someone runs at you as if they do have that size, you've got reason to move out the way or sort of feel off guard. So I basically tried this, and it was really weird. I was just running at big guys and looking like I was like possessed or something towards them like this. And they would sort of just move out of the way, and I'd just take the ball, and I'd, this is weird, <laughs> kick it in the goal. And, but there was something about walking in a, an authority. I didn't have it. But when I made, when I walked in it, it was made available to me, and I had so much more access than what I could have had in my natural sense. And the only difference with this, and I think the blessing and being the head and not the tail, is that it's not something that we can make for ourselves. I could make that happen for myself, but God makes it happen for us. It's it's way bigger than just pretending you're bigger than yourself. It's a it's an actual an, a place God has to, for you to walk. So. You know, we can be the we can be the head and not the tail in these situations because God has given us that authority to run in and walk in that and yeah, you should try it next time you're playing football. <laughs> so but yeah, so I'm not actually that good at football. But uh so yeah, but um I thought that was really cool. The next thing I was wanting to look at in this verse is the first word that stood out to me, obviously being the head and the tail was later on in the verse. The first thing that stood out to me was blessing. Everyone likes to see blessing in the verse. So uh it says it says, if you listen to the commands of the Lord and the God, and your God that I'm giving you today, and you carefully obey them, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. And you'll always be on top, never at the bottom. You must not turn away from any of the commands I give you today, nor follow after any other gods. Or worship them, sorry. So uh, basically, the word that actually stood out to me um, from all the sort of blessing verses that have been previous was command. It's such a strong word. Uh, and obey was another one in there and they're kind of words that we don't like to command and obey, it seems a bit oppressive and sort of out there but um, I think it's actually really important so um, it's it's like a requirement for us, God's got something he wants us to do in order to receive the blessing it's a command, and he actually says it twice it's like, kind of like a command sandwich you've got like command bread, so it's like command then blessing, and then he wants to reiterate that it's a command again and uh, so I think sometimes we're selective in reading. We pick out the good bits like blessing, joy, and abundance. But a lot of it is followed with commands and obedience. So, um, yeah, we have to take notice of this, especially as it says it twice. Um, you know, a lot of things are repeated. But the thing about commands, commands are actually good. Um, I know they've got a lot of negative connotations, but if a situation is in utter chaos, a command can actually iron out the creases in it. It can bring clarity, it can bring order, it can even bring peace and strength. Um, so I think it's so important. Like a command is something that, it's almost structure. It almost brings alignment. And I was thinking, when, you know, when you're even training a dog, you know, you give it commands. And what you're trying to do is um, for the dog to learn obedience. And once the dog's obedient and you're doing the commands, it actually opens a passage of blessing for the dog because he gets treated. 
and also blessing for you because you can manage the dog now. It's like a channel that's been opened for, between you and the dog, you know? But when a dog's been chaotic and bouncing all over the place, it's really hard to bless the dog because it's just a nutter and then you don't feel any blessing from it. So, yeah. I was previously talking about chaos. And chaos is something because commands are usually um, sort of uh, laid out in chaos to bring order. And I was thinking about even if, uh, if you're in a battlefield, it's utter chaos when you see it in these movies and stuff. But um, there's always a, a commander and he's saying out commands and if they're a tight-knit regiment or unit there's security in the chaos there's assurance, there's strength there's order because of the commands whereas if there was no commands it would have just been you know, everyone for themselves it would have been separated but there was just this joining in a situation of chaos so it's so important if we're going to receive blessing because sometimes our world can be in chaos but does that mean that we don't follow orders? no, because orders bring alignment to us when we do that so I think uh, commands, obedience, um, obedience obviously is just responding to commands. But I think obedience is actually a doorway to blessing. I think once we're obedient, it's just such an easy passage to receive blessing from God because he can work with us. He wants us to be um, working in his will first, not ours. And when we're obedient, that's easy for him to do, do the things he wants to do. So yeah, there may be chaos going around us, but God's got strength for us. He's got order. He's got a way that's just... It's not going to be subject to what's going on around us. And I think that's a good thing about obedience. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go on to... We're talking about blessing. A really famous story in the Bible for blessing is the story of Abraham uh, and his wife Sarah. It's used a lot for, for blessing. So I'm just going to read some of the scriptures. Um, at this point in the story, he's called Abraham. Uh, not Abraham. He later gets called Abraham because God does stuff like that. He just changes people's names. It's awesome. So yeah. I'm waiting for the day he changes his mind. Something awesome. Uh, so, uh, in Genesis 12, verse... <laughs> in Genesis 12, verse 1, James uh, 1 to 3, it says, The Lord had said to Abraham, Leave your native country and relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. I will, And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. And later on in scripture it says, he's, he's, come, he's come to uh, Abraham, Abraham at the time and said that, and later on he says, well, the verse says sometimes later. Uh, Genesis 15 verse 1 to 5. Sometime later the Lord spoke to Abraham in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abraham, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. Abraham, Abraham replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you have given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abraham outside and said to him, Look up at the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham, Abraham believed the Lord. And the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. So, basically, God's come and given uh, a blessing. He's told him about a blessing he's going to get. And at first he, doesn't quite, he can't quite contain it. He doesn't quite believe it. But God reassures him. And then he's just stirred up with faith. He says that um, the Lord counted him righteous because of his faith. So he had faith. 
and you just, it's awesome when God tells you something but it's even more awesome when you feel the faith inside of you you're like oh my goodness I can see God moving in this it's gonna ha-. and then you just feel like nothing can hold you back because you know if God is for us who can be against us and you're walking in that authority like I was talking earlier so I think this is where Abraham is now and uh, so he's got commands from God um, obviously he's been told he's going to have a son so in order for that to happen he's got to go and be with his wife I'll just leave it at that that's enough of that so, so uh, you can guess what happens But uh, and he's got to do some other stuff where he's got to do some rituals to um, represent the covenant God was making with him so there's just, these are just commands that go alongside the blessing he's He's been told about the blessing, but he's also been told about the, the commands. So I'm going to carry on reading. It says, um, Now, his wife Sarah was called something else before, and it's spelled S-A-R-A-I. And I have no idea how to pronounce it. I just thought it was like, Sarah, eh. Because <laughs> that's the only way I could really figure it out. <laughs> that's just what it looks like to me. So Now Sa- Sarah, eh, Abraham's wife, had not been able to bear children from for him but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar so Sarah it said to Abraham the Lord has prevented me from having children okay I'm not going to say that anymore because you're not going to concentrate so uh, I'm just going to call her Sarah even though she's not been called that yet so go this is what um, Sarah's saying Um, she's got a servant and then she's saying to Abraham go and sleep with my servant perhaps I can have children through her and Abraham agreed with Sarah's proposal so Sarah, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abraham as a wife. This happened ten years after Abraham had settled in the land of Canaan. So this was ten years after the first time God had told him about the blessing. There's a lot of time gone past. So basically, this servant um, uh, in, in their household had become pregnant. So uh, Sarah had said, basically, the thing that interested me here was, it wasn't Abraham who said, because I want to explain here that they were both very old. So Abraham was very old and Sarah was very old and past the stage of having kids. But it wasn't Abraham who said, I don't think this is going to happen with you, Sarah. She was just like, oh my word, I'm not going to be able to have kids. So she started diverting from God's plan and said, but what about this? This makes more sense. This is a lot more feasible, I think. And uh, she she kind of put this idea that, you know, he should go with one of her servants because she was a lot younger and she'd be able to bear children. So um, basically what happens is she becomes pregnant, this servant, but then she becomes really bitter towards Sarah and starts being really nasty to her. And this is what um, in Genesis 16 it says. Then Sarah said to Abraham, this is all your fault. (laughs) 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 I heard that one before. Uh, I put put my servant into your arms. Just saying that it was her idea. I was just going to say that. uh, But now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. So, yeah, doubts come into this situation. There was faith. How, like, God said that he counted Abraham righteous in his faith. And then now his wife had a little niggle, had a doubt, and it's just compromised that faith he had. And now God had clear commands, but you can see now they've stepped away from the commands. They still want God's blessing, but they're not going the right way. They've changed the, the road that they were on. So, um, And it, it's a shame because... It's often not always us that doubts. It's often we come to someone and be like, oh, God's got this awesome idea. And then they're like, oh, I don't know if you would do that. Or, oh, I don't know if you're ready for that. And that's often enough to rob us of our faith. And uh, we need to actually look to God for our faith and not other people. But it's difficult because they say negative things. And, you know, it can, you know, 
pierce our hearts and, and really rob us of that faith that we had. This, so, yeah, basically what happens next is Hagar, the Egyptian servant, has a son called Ishmael. Uh, Abraham thinks it's a more reasonable way to fulfill God's plan, so he's just rolling with it. He's like, I've got a son now, this is amazing. Um, it's a lot more realistic than when God said he would have a son through Sarah. But, um, that this is when we put a limit on God because we've gone away from his commands and now we're doing it our way. We've got our plan. It's safer. It's less faith-built. It's more feasible and realistic. So, uh, in Genesis 17, uh, verse 1, it says, When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. And it's interesting to stop there because God, uh, Abraham knows who God is. It's... But he comes to him, like the other times he hasn't come to him and said who he is. But this time he said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. It's because Abraham has moved away from God's plan. And God needed to remind him, I'm God Almighty. And if I say I'm going to do something, that means I can do it. And it doesn't mean you doubt who I am, which you have done. So he needed to remind Abraham who he was. So he says, I'm El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live blameless, a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. Now having a, a, a lineage of uh, descendants was massively important in those days. It was like what people lived for, what they were going to put into the next generation, what their kids were going to do. The idea of you know, kings or something coming down your family line was just something that would be so amazing. It would be better than any gift someone could give you um, back in that day. It was just such an honor. And this is what they... This is why it hurt Abraham so much that he didn't have anyone to invest in. His life was just going to end with him and Sarah. So, it carries on in that verse. It says, This is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I'm changing your name. It will no longer be Abraham. It, instead, you will be called Abraham. For you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. I will confirm covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation this is the everlasting covenant I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you and I will give you the entire land of Canaan where you now live as a foreigner to you and your descendants it will be their possession forever and I will be their God so the thing about this verse is Abraham's come from a place of barrenness he's got no future he's, he's lived a long life what is the next? What is he got to pass on? And yet God comes out of the blue and says to him, you're going to be extremely fruitful. It's so contrast to his situation, but God speaks it. It's not happening. It's not happening in the situation, but God's speaking it. And it gets to the point where God even changes his name. And, uh, you know, um, and just to call someone who's 99 extremely fruitful is very backwards because of what it is. But, you know, he... This is what God's saying. He has to speak it before it happens. And the, so he changes his name from Abraham, which means noble father, which is a nice name. You read some Bible names and it's just like death and heresy or whatever. And that's, that's you for life. But uh, no, he changes it from noble father, which is a good name. He changes it to Abraham, which means father of many. And he also changes Sarah's uh, name, uh, which meant princess, which is also quite nice. But he, it changes it to mother of nations. Now, I think when she was young, princess would have been quite a nice thing to be known as. But when you're older, you want to be a mother. You want to be passing on stuff. So it was so relevant to the time that they were in. Um, so God's always calling forth what is currently not. He's always doing that. 
You might have situations around you that tell you one thing, but God's telling you another. Even if you can't see it with your eyes. God's calling you what you are not. Um, because he knows that you've got the ability to step into that. He knows that you've got the authority to step into that because he's given it to you. But if you trust him, it will come to pass. It's all about trusting him and obedience. Um, so, uh, in Genesis 17, verse 1, it says, Then God said to Abraham, Regarding Sarah, your wife, her name will no longer be Sarah. From now on, her name will be Sarah. I'm so glad that that's in the past. and can go with Sarah now. Uh, and I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes. Uh, so he says, I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly and she'll become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations, kings of nations will be among her descendants. Then Abraham bowed down, bowed down to the ground, but he laughed himself in disbelief. How could I become a father at the age of 100, he thought. And how can Sarah have a baby when she is 90 years old? So Abraham said to God, May Ishmael live under your special blessing. But God replied, No, Sarah, your wife, will give birth to your son for you. Um, you will name him Isaac, and I will confirm my covenant with him as confirm my covenant with him as descendants, as an everlasting covenant. As for Ishmael, I will bless him also, just as you have asked. I will make him extremely fruitful and multiply his descendants. He will become the father of 12 princes, and I will make him a great nation. So, when we look at this, Abraham, God's telling him, Sarah's going to, you're going to have a son through Sarah, your wife. He's already gone and done a different diversion, but God's saying, no, the original plan still stands. And, but Abraham didn't trust God. And he was like, okay, cool. Here's Ishmael. How about you work with him? I've already got him. He works. Uh, and then, uh, but, um, but God's like, no, Isaac's my plan. You know, this plan that you've gone on. And the amazing thing is, he says, you've gone this other way. I didn't ask you to do that. But I'm going to bless him anyway. Even though you've made this mistake, it's going to be a blessing to you. But you still need to come to my original commands. So how, how much does God ask us for stuff? And we compromise and we're like, God, here's, here's our Ishmael. You, know, you can use this. I'm happy for you to use this. God's like, no, I want the Isaac from you. I want the original plan, the original plan. But because um, we can see something working, like an Ishmael in our life, we're like, no, this worked better. Um, but it's all about trusting God completely. So if we look at it like a sat-nav, Abraham had his current destination. God gave him a destiny. Um, we have A and we have B, but he didn't quite trust where God was taking him, so he took a detour. And he's over here now, but God's calling him still back here. Like your sat navs, they always redirect you to the. No matter how many wrong turns you take, you know you can always get back. And that's the same with God. It doesn't matter how many mistakes you make, you can always get back. And because He's good, all things work together for good. So He will bless that situation you've got yourself in, and take you back to where He had you in the first place. So, um, it's it's all about going on His course and not ours. And he's so willing to redirect you. You might doesn't matter, matter how far you've gone, how, how disobedient you've been. He's just willing for you to just take the next turn back to him. He's just waiting for you. Um, so it's amazing that God even blesses Abraham's mistake. So the story goes on, and some angels come up to tell Sarah that she's having a baby. Um, kind of made me laugh. The scripture, but uh, Genesis 18 verse 10 it says, "Then one of them said, I will return to you about this." time next year and your wife Sarah will have a son. Sarah was listening to the conversation from the tent 
Abraham and Sarah were both very old at this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children. So she laughed silently to herself. How could I, a worn-out woman, enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also so old? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, Can an old woman like me have a baby? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she denied and said, I didn't laugh. <laughs> but the Lord God said, No, you did laugh. <laughs> that's what made me laugh. It was just like, Okay, that's it. Dealt with. So, um, I'm skipping a lot of the story. A lot of stuff happens. But I'm just trying to get this point about blessing and commands. So, the Bible says that actually Sarah was a very good looking woman. And um, we only hear about her when she was older, but it still says she was very attractive and that she, people were drawn to her. And she was actually so attractive that Abraham was worried if he was in new territory that people would try and kill him just to get his wife. I mean, she's 90. <laughs> this is weird, but yeah, she's, she's obviously pretty good looking, and that's just what I'm saying. Um, but so yeah but Abraham's stuck with the fact that she's never bore children for him so he thinks that God can't work through her and he's stuck in what's previously happened he doesn't trust God what could happen um, and we do this with areas in our life we look at them and we say so far this hasn't happened this avenue hasn't been opened in this, this thing in my life which is a blessing his wife was a blessing to him and God had actually given him something so beautiful but he didn't realize it because of what wasn't happening. And I think so much God gives us stuff and because it's not working out the way we think it is, we don't appreciate the beauty in what we have. So basically, yeah, they move to this land and he's pretending that it's his sister so he doesn't get killed. So Abraham moved south to the Negev and lived for a while between Kadesh and Shur. And then he moved on to Gerar, where he lived there as a foreigner. Abraham introduced his wife Sarah by saying, She's my sister. So King Abimelech of Gerar sent for Sarah and had her brought to him in his palace. But that night God came to Abimelech in a dream and told him, You're a dead man. I always imagine him saying that in a Glaswegian accent, but uh, I don't know, it's up for your interpretation. You're a dead man. Uh, you're a dead man. For that woman you have taken is already married. But Abimelech had not slept with her yet. So he said, Lord, will you destroy an innocent nation? Didn't Abraham tell me she's my sister? And her herself said, yes, he is my brother. I acted in complete innocence. My hands are clean. In, my, in the dream, God responded, yes, I know you're innocent. That's why I kept, kept you from sinning against me. And why I did not let you touch her. Now return the woman to her husband. And he will pray for you. For he's a prophet then you will live. But if you don't return to her to him, you can be sure that you and your people will die. Now, when he says die here, it doesn't literally mean that they're actually going to drop dead. He was actually talking about their their lineage, their descendants. He was saying, because you read this later in the scripture, he actually stopped any more children coming through him. So he had no one. Because remember, they're all really caught up on this, about who they're going to pass on to. And he said, you're going to die, as in you're going to stop as far as you've gone. And uh, so Abimelech, the king, got up early the next morning, quickly called all the servants together. When he told them what happened, his men were terrified. And when Abimelech called for Abraham, what have you done to us? He demanded, what crime have I committed that deserves treatment like this? Make that making me and my kingdom guilty of great sin. No one should ever do what you've done. Abraham replied, I thought this is a godless place and they will surely... 
they will want my wife and kill me to get her. So basically some stuff happens. The king brings him gifts as if just like, help me, just go away, solve this. And uh, the Lord, it carries on, the Lord kept his word. Oh, two, I skipped a bit. Then Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, his wife, and his female servants so they could have children. For the Lord, Lord had caused all the women to be infertile because of what happened with Abraham's wife, Sarah. So Abraham's prayed for them, and now they can all have children. And the next chapter becomes interesting. In Genesis 21, verse 1, it says, The Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant, and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened at just the time God had said it would, and Abraham named their son Isaac. Eight days after Isaac was born, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded. Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. So the commands, it was a simple command, but he's finally trusted God with it, that his wife could bear his son. He's seen the miracle happen now. What's interesting to me, I hadn't noticed it before, was in the verse before, we actually find that Abraham's praying for loads of women to get their fertility back. It's funny because that's what he's been struggling with, in, with one, his wife. And now he's, he's, he wants God to heal a whole bunch of women who are, have been made barren because of a, a situation. And it amazes me. Sometimes I think God wants us to pray for other people's situations, even though we're not seeing it. You know, if, if you've got financial issues, maybe it's time you start praying for someone else who's got financial issues. Even knowing that your situation hasn't changed yet, but just trusting God and just saying, you know what, I don't believe God's going to do this for you. If he doesn't do it for me now, he's going to do it for me at some point. I'm just going to keep praying, keep having faith, because God's not limited. So he ends up, just before he um, has a child, he ends up praying for loads of other women to have a child. It's really... It's quite conflicting for us as people to see someone else get something we want. It must have been a hard moment. So, yeah. So, I just want to finish on this. We've been talking about blessing and obedience um, in this verse and uh, commands. I think they're all important. But um, I want to go to a verse in Genesis. Um, and it's actually about Adam and Eve. So, Adam and Eve are made in the garden. And God says to them, that God blessed them and said, Be fruitful, and multiply, fill the earth, and govern it. And He blesses them. And then He gave them a command after the blessing. And He says, But the Lord God warned him, You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in this garden except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat this fruit, you will surely die. And it's kind of it's a command, like it was in Deuteronomy. There's a blessing and there's a command. And basically, what happens is the, the devil comes in as a snake and tempts Eve to take the fruit and she um, you know they both are tempted to eat it and they eat the they disobey they disobey God's command um, and it goes on and uh, God says to Adam and to the man he said since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat the ground is cursed because of you all your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it it will grow thorns and thistles for you though you will eat of its grains so because God's God of just, justice, he had to bring in some sort of discipline. There was a, there was a, you know, there's consequences to our sin. And, you know, the ground was, this Deuteronomy is a lot of talk about curses as well as blessing. And it says that the ground was cursed. He could have cursed the man, but he cursed the ground. And he talks about thorns coming to him. So I want to jump to the New Testament. Uh, this has all been in the Old, but it's just going to finish on this verse. Uh, this is when Jesus was about to be crucified. In John 19, verse 5. It says, and Jesus came out wearing a crown of thorns and a purple robe. And you know the 
it doesn't I don't think it's a coincidence that thorns were something specifically chosen in the in the death of Jesus when he took our sin because thorns were mentioned in the curse but they were something that actually Jesus put on his head you know when he took the weight of our sin he literally took our curse and he took it on us and as he hung there on the cross it was as, as the thorns pushed in and you know there was blood coming from him the blood the only blood that can save us the blood of Jesus was actually fallen on the ground that had been cursed and that's the situation in our life you know God's there is curses there's things that have come upon us but God's the only one that's got ability to break them and he has broken them already you know he's done it when he died on the cross when he took that crown of thorns that was him taking our curse and saying I'm going to take responsibility for this so Jesus did that for us he has got so much blessing available to us and even Adam and Eve didn't they failed to meet the commands God still had a way for them uh, Abraham and Sarah they failed to initially meet commands but God still blessed them so God's the one that even though we make mistakes he's got a way back for us he always has that um, and if, you, if you've never heard of Jesus or, or if you've never felt that that God died for you or understood it um, he, he totally did he took it all for you and he's got so much blessing for you to walk in and um, you know a lot of us here we've known Jesus for a long time we've understood stuff but some of you might not have and I just want to give an opportunity for you to come and walk in that place of blessing to come to know God and uh, basically I'm just going to say a prayer and I'm going to get everyone to repeat it and we're going to have our eyes closed and our heads bowed and it's going to be real personal but you can just repeat after me and then this is going to be your opportunity to connect with God the God who died for you the God who has blessing for you so if you just repeat after me dear Jesus I thank you for what you've done for me I thank you for dying a death that I deserved I'm sorry for all my wrongdoings God but tonight I give my life to you Amen Thanks for listening If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times then don't forget to visit our website www.junctionchurch.com God bless.